I ask you to have your Bibles to turn to Psalm chapter 1. The book of Psalms is the most quoted book in the New Testament. Isaiah would be second. But it's very much quoted in the New Testament because it's very much a book about the Lord Jesus Christ. Psalms chapter 1, it begins by saying, Blessed is the man. He's going to give us some ways in which we don't need to do, and he's going to give us some things we do need to do. And whenever we think about the things we should do and the things we should not do, there's no better example that we have than the example of our Savior. Blessed is the man. Was there ever a man more blessed than the Lord Jesus? I think the answer to that would be no. He's the perfect man. He's the only holy man. He's God manifest in the flesh. Blessed is the man. You know, when Peter would be there by the enemy's fire, there's two places in Matthew chapter 26. He would deny the Lord three times, but in two of those denials, he would use would refer to the Lord Jesus as the man. He would say, I know not the man. Pilate, when the Lord Jesus was before him, in John chapter 18 and John chapter 19, the Lord and Pilate would have a discussion and Pilate would say three times that the Lord was innocent. He would use different words. And one time he said, I find no fault in him. The religious leaders amongst the Jews were insistent that the Lord Jesus be punished. But Pilate knew the Lord Jesus was innocent. Pilate knew that for envy, they had delivered him. Pilate's own wife had dreamed a dream. And she had come to Pilate and said, have nothing to do with that just man. She was telling her husband, don't do him any harm. He's innocent. He's just. And Pilate Realized that himself three times, three proclamations saying, I find no fault in this man. I find no fault in him. He had done nothing wrong. But yet he would yield to the people, to particularly to the Jewish leaders. He would wash his hands of the matter and he delivered them into their hands. When Pilate did that, he would bring out the Lord Jesus Christ whom he had already had scourged and beaten with that whip that would literally rip flesh off the back. And I think Pilate was hoping that after the Jewish leaders would see the beaten Lord Jesus that they would think it's enough. And he would lead them out there and say, Behold, the man. Behold the man. So three times there in the gospel accounts, the Lord Jesus is referred to as the man. Twice by Peter and once by Pilate. Here we see blessed is the man. The man that never took a wrong step. 
The man that never thought a wrong thought. Blessed is the man. All glory and all honor and all praise to the man, Christ Jesus. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. As we think about the perfect life of the Son of God, he applies this to how we're to be. And he's telling us some things not to do. Sometimes when we're worried about the safety of our children, before we tell them what to do, we'll tell them what not to do. If there's a child playing in the front yard after service and they start running a little bit too close to the road, the parent's probably not going to tell them the exact confines they want them to play in and say, you need to play right here. They're going to say, get away from the road. <laughs> Don't go to the road. There's danger. Don't touch the hot stove. When I was a little boy, uh, we had a tree house out in our pasture, and I was wanting to play out there by the tree house. And my brothers told me to be careful, and they pointed in the general direction. They said, be careful. There's a yellow jacket's nest over there. Well, me and my lack of knowledge as a little boy said, I need to go over there to see where the yellow jackets is so I won't step in it. What I should have done is gone the other way, <laughs> away from the way they pointed. But I thought I can get as close to the yellow jacket's nest as I can to see it, and that way I'll, I'll not step in it. That was bad thinking. Said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. I was getting close to the yellow jacket's nest, but didn't want to just step in it. But I did step in it. In getting too close, I stepped in the very place I didn't want to step. And they tore me up. And I had many, many stings on me that day, and I learned a valuable lesson that when my brother said, don't walk over here, I listened. The stings were a reminder. They hurt. They hurt for many days. Sometimes we as little children of God like to get as close as we can to the counsel of the ungodly, but just not step right in. But I'm going to tell you that's a dangerous game to play. Because a lot of times when we get as close as we can to that way, we wind up in a place we don't want to be. It says, notice here that the words that are used are walketh, Standeth and sitteth. Now, I like to lie down when I go to sleep. But I don't generally lie down much when I'm awake. But the positions that I usually have when I'm awake are these positions. Walking, standing, and sitting said, blessed is the man. That means happy is the man, joyous is the man, blessed of God is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. The word counsel there means advice. And we ought to never take the advice of the ungodly. We should never take the advice of the world. We have all the counsel and all the advice we need right here and from people of God 
who believe this book, who want to follow in the steps of the Lord Jesus, to not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. You know, there's kind of an assumption here that if you take the counsel of the ungodly, that you'll walk in it. And there's an important principle in that, that if we're thinking wrong, we're likely to do wrong. So we need to think right, and that helps us do right. Uh, the reason I got my yellow jackets nest is because I was thinking wrong. I was thinking, well, I can just get close enough, and I'll see a couple of them flying up, and I'll say, okay, I won't go any further, and I'll be safe. But my thinking was wrong, and that made my walk wrong. And that can happen to all of us. He said, nor standeth in the way of sinners. Now it's a little bit easier when we're walking to quickly deviate from our path because we're moving. We're standing, we're a little more planted. It's a little bit more difficult to quickly move when we're standing than when we're already walking. So the picture is of somebody that's already walked in the counsel of the ungodly. They've taken the advice. And by the way, the definition of ungodly is anything that's different than what the Lord says. Sometimes we think that ungodly has to be something to the most horrible, terrible degree. No. Anything that is different than what the Lord tells us is ungodly. And see, the devil likes us to think on a continuum. He likes us to think, well, yeah, that's different than what the Bible says, but it's not that bad. If it's different than what the Bible says, it is ungodly. And he said, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners. That word way literally means road. If we were to stand out here on County Road 10, we would be standing in the way, in the road. And he said, don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't go in the path that sinners are trying. We know we're all sinners, but I think we know the message here. Those that are going in a very ungodly path, don't go on that road with them. Don't stand in the way of sinners. nor sit, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now, the position of sitting is the hardest one to deviate from. It's a little bit easier if, if a threat comes my way and I'm walking, it's a little bit easier for me to get away from that threat than it is if I'm standing. But it's even harder for me to get away from a threat if I'm sitting. We, as probation officers, are taught if an offender comes in the room, you do not sit. You stand. If you're sitting there on a higher plane than you are, it's hard for you to move, and you can be a victim if you're sitting. He said, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. The word scornful literally means to mock. It means to scoff at. It means to talk arrogantly. I want to tell you, I hear a lot more scoffing talk about the things of God than I ever have in my life. It used to be there was respect even amongst the ungodly of the world, there was a measure of respect for the house of God. It used to be you would never see a house of worship 
broken into. Because even the thugs in the city had some respect for the house of God. Those days are gone. And people, the wicked of this world, feel okay to mock and to scoff at the things of God. And what God said is good, the world says is evil. And what God said is right, the world says is wrong and scoffs at it and ridicules it and talks arrogantly against the Lord God of heaven and earth. The Lord Jesus saw a lot of that on the cross of Calvary where so many were around were mocking the very creator of the ground on which they stood. He had created the sun and the moon and the stars and the very ground on which they were standing and they mocked and they scoffed and they ridiculed and scorned the Lord of glory. He said, don't sit in the seat of the scornful. Don't talk to everything. The Lord's not fond of arrogance. The Lord of glory, the Lord Jesus was, was the most humble, the most weak, meek, the most gentle, that we had all power. So here he's told us some things not to do. Don't walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't stand in the way of sinners. Don't sit in the seat of the scornful. And it's good for us to be told what not to do. It's good that we tell our children, don't play in the streets, it's dangerous. It's good that we tell our children, don't touch the hot stove, it'll hurt you and may wound you for many years. It's good for Brick Brothers to say, don't walk over there by the Yellow Jacket's nest. A lot of our uh, defensive tactics instructors, when they teach us a new technique or a new movement or a new defensive self-defense tactic, they'll oftentimes really drive home the common mistakes of what not to do. This is how you don't do the move because if you do the move this way, it gives your attacker a space to come and, and do this other thing that causes you to be flat on your back on the ground at their mercy. So they would spend a good bit of time telling us what not to do. And that was always valuable to me because most of the things they would say is I'd be like, yeah, I would have done that. <laughs> I would have done that. So it's very profitable. And the Lord tells us what not to do. But I'm going to tell you the Lord gives us a lot of vivid examples of what to do. I want to go to 1 Peter for just a moment before we come back to, to Psalms. Where the Lord Jesus is given to us is such a wonderful example. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 21. It says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. He wasn't standing in the way of sinners. He wasn't sitting in the seat of the scornful. He wasn't walking in the counsel of the ungodly. He walked a perfect walk. Who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. That we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness. By whose stripes you were healed. For ye were as sheep going astray, lost on the mountaintops, away from the flock. 
Ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. The word bishop literally means overseer. It means guardian. The Lord's the shepherd that takes care of his little sheep, and he's the bishop. He's the overseer. He's the guardian of our souls. It says here, that ye should follow in his steps. Christ leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Now think about how detailed that is. There were times when I was a little boy and I'd be following my brothers out in the woods and we'd be in a place where there were a lot of snakes and a lot of things that may could have hurt us. And they would say, you follow my feet exactly. And so I began to learn as a little boy that if I saw my brother's foot here on this rock, that's where my foot needed to be. It's almost, if we could imagine somebody walking ahead of us and walking over a, a rope bridge that's got some planks on it and some of those planks are rotten and you walking behind, let's just say your older brother I don't know which ones are rotten and which ones are not, but he does so it becomes very important to follow in the steps of your older brother, that wherever, whatever plank his foot lands on, that better be the plank your foot lands on because another plank may be rotten and you begin to fall from the rope and wooden bridge. The Lord Jesus showed us his steps. It's all over the gospel account. And he says we're to follow in his steps. He's given us his word, and we'll get to that more in a moment. But he has given us the perfect example of how to be. And I'm going to tell you, it really shows forth when we as God's people are being mistreated. And how do we respond when we're mistreated? You see how the Lord Jesus responded when he was mistreated. Father, forgive me, for they know not what they do. He could have just thought the thought as those men were mocking him. He could have just thought the thought and 12 legions of angels would have come. A Roman legion was 6,000 men. You multiply that times 12, that's 72,000 angels. And he said, summon more than 12 legions of angels. He could have summoned at least 72,000 angels with just his thought for the people that were mocking him. He had all power. One angel in the Old Testament killed 185,000 Assyrians. The angel may have could have killed more than that, but we know he was at least able to kill that much. So you multiply 185,000 times 72,000, and no, I can't give you the number. <laughs> but I can tell you this, it's enough that the Lord could have many times over annihilated the entire population of the world, many times over. But when he suffered, he threatened not. When he was reviled, he reviled not again. He gave us the perfect example. Blessed is the man. He always did the will of his father. He never didn't do the will of his father. We look at Hebrews chapter 10. We see these sweet verses of our Lord.
Verse 7 of Hebrews 10 says, Then said I, this is a, talking about the Lord Jesus. He said, it's quoted in, in Psalms chapter 40. said, Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, Sacrifice and offerings and burnt offerings and offerings for sin, thou wouldest not. Neither had pleasure therein which are offered by the law. Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. It says in verse 12 that he, with one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God says in verse 14 that he hath perfected by what offering? He hath perfected them that are sanctified. He was always willing to do the will of the Father all the way to the scene of the cross and to the crucifixion of the cross, ready to lay down his life for the sheep. So it said some things that we don't need to do, but then it says this blessed man Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. Now I'm going to tell you, if we begin to go on those pathways, we get more solidified in it. We go from walking in it to standing in it, to sitting in it. And we get more solidified in the wrong positions we go there. The Lord tells us, what to do in Jeremiah chapter 6 verse 16 he said thus saith the Lord stand ye in the ways the word ways is plural that means you're doing more than standing in a road you're standing in two roads how does that happen you're in a crossroads we stand here on county road 10 we're in the way singular if we go down here to the end of the road where County Road 10 meets Highway 15, we're in the ways, plural. We're at a crossroads. And we get to the end of County Road 10 and we could either take a right or we could take a left. This is the picture. Stand ye in the way. Stand in the crossroad and see and ask for the old path. Where is the good way? Remember, there's not more than one good way. There is the good way, and it's in the path of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's following in his steps, in his truth, in his pattern, in his ways. Stand ye in the ways at the crossroads and see and ask for the old path sounds like there's somebody else standing in the crossroads that we can ask where's the old paths where's the good way what a blessing that is when the Lord puts those people in our life when I first became somewhat understanding the doctrines of grace It was a great blessing to me to have a lady that would later be my wife that was standing in the ways. She knew where the good way was. She knew where the old paths were. And she was willing to tell me where that way was by the Holy Scriptures. The old path is the truth of God's Word. The good way is the truth of our Lord, our Savior, our Master, and our Redeemer. And what a blessing it is when God puts godly people in our path that we can ask, where's the old path? Where's the good way? And they're able to tell us, maybe we could be that person for somebody. They're at the crossroads. 
They don't know. Where's the old paths? Where's the good way? And we have the knowledge and say it's this way. Amen. Walk therein. And ye shall find rest unto your souls. There's a sweet rest in knowing and understanding the finished work of the Lord Jesus. There's a sweet rest in that. That as far as our eternal home in heaven, the Lord Jesus has finished that work. There's many things for us to do and to be faithful in his service all the days of our life. And to follow the, the teachings of his word. To serve as saints. But there's a rest in the finished work of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Here they said we will not walk therein. And that ends sadly because they're shown the way, but they said, no, I'm going to do it my way instead of the Lord's way. And we all have daily decisions in our life. Are we going to walk in the path and the footsteps of the Lord Jesus or are we going to do it all way? Right. Are we to God? We follow in his steps. He never tripped. He never stepped anywhere he ought not to step. If we can follow in his steps, we're following in a good way, in the pathway of truth. It says, but his delight, back in Psalms, but his delight, this blessed man that's not walked in the counsel of the godly, that's not standing in the way of sinners, that's not sat in the seat of the scornful, but his delight, is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night. This man's delight is in the law of the Lord. Certainly we saw that of the Lord. He said, I desire to do thy will, O Lord, even when it takes me to the cross of Calvary to die an unspeakable death. I delight to do thy will. Where is our delight? Do we delight in this book? Do we delight in the precious words of the Lord Jesus? You know, sometimes our flesh can get in the way. Sometimes we can get distracted. You know, one of the devil's biggest tools is distraction. Um, I can go into another room to go get a pair of socks and something distracts me and then I've forgotten I'm going to get a pair of socks and leave the room and I still don't have any socks. The whole purpose I needed to, to tend to, I got distracted and didn't get done. The devil likes to distract us from his service. He likes to distract us from reading his word. Brother Danny was preaching at Fuller's Chapel this weekend out of Danny Wisner. He was speaking of a time where he had worked a double shift and had come home from nursing and only had a few hours to get a, some rest before he had to go back. He said, my pattern was always to read the Bible first thing in the morning, but also the last thing I do before I go to bed at night. He said, I was just tired. I'm fixing to lay down in the bed and I'm just like, Lord, I'm tired. <laughs> I can't do it. And he said, it was like the Lord spoke to my heart and said, Danny, give me five minutes. He began to read the word of God. He was reading in Isaiah 12. He said he preached out of Isaiah 12 for several months. The Lord opened his eyes so much. You see what the Lord tells us to do? There's blessings in it. How did he start this verse? Blessed is the man. He doesn't tell us to do things because it's not good for us. He tells us to do things because it is good for us. And there's great blessings and wonder and contentment and happiness and joy. <coughs> But we do what he's told us to do. 
He said, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his law doth he meditate day and night to think about the wisdom of God's word in the day and also in the night. The word that's the perfect word, the word that's the complete word, the word that delights our hearts, our souls. A word we're cast down can lift us up. A word that when we've been beaten down by the things of the world, it can comfort our hearts and our souls. It's literally the Lord speaking to us. He said, delight thyself. Also in the law, in the law of the Lord, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. I've never regretted one second I've spent in the Word of God. What about you? I've regretted a whole lot of things I've done. I've wasted a lot of time in my life. What do we delight in? What do we spend our time on? Do we spend more time on the iPhone and on YouTube and on Facebook than we do in God's book? What do we delight in? You know what we delight in, we spend a lot of time on. So sweet to see young godly mothers and fathers bringing their children to the house of God. And I commend my prayers are with our young mothers because I know that there's a lot of messages you want to hear that you don't always get to hear, and fathers as well. But we delight in our children. And we should. We spend a lot of time with our children because we love them and we care about it. God says, delight yourself in my word. Enjoy it. Delight in it like we would delight in our children and invest our lives in them. And he shall be this blessed man, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. A tree that's planted doesn't move easy. Uh, me and Brother John Mark have had a little bit of fun just trying to pull up some bushes out of our uh, out of our flower. I don't guess it's a flower garden, it's a bush garden, but where our bushes are in the front of the house, whatever you want to call it. And there's been times when those bushes would die and we got to get that bush up. And just a bush that's planted, it's hard to get up. Me and Brother John Mark have attached chains to it and pulled on it and pulled on it, and you still got to get an axe and cut some of the roots. And that's just a bush. This is a tree planted. Shouldn't be easy to move. You see, this man's already been delighting in the law of the Lord. He's already established in the truth of God's word. This man's like, I ain't moving. The Lord showed me the truth. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. You know what the devil wants us to do? He wants us to move. He wants us to get out of the way of righteousness, out of the way of the Lord, into those other ways. The way of the ungodly. The way away from his house. This is a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. We've had a very vivid picture uh, the last several, several weeks of dryness and of what happens when we don't get enough rain, where you're literally stepping on the grass and it's crunching because 
It just doesn't have enough water. But here's a tree that no matter what the situation is around it, because it's by the river, it gets the sustenance it needs. I'm going to tell you, we're in a dry desert land. This world is a dark desert land. We need nutrients. We need water to bear fruit to God's honor and glory. In Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 5, it says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and maketh flesh his arm, in whose heart departeth from the Lord. For he shall be like the heath in the desert. Uh, I'll confess to you, I've evidently never looked up the term heath. I thought it was an animal. It's not an animal, it's a plant. And it's a very, uh, the descriptions of this word heath are naked, bare, desolate. It's a, I don't know exactly what kind of plant it is, but it's a desolate plant. It's a bare plant. It's a, it's a naked plant. It says, for he shall be the man that trusteth in man and maketh flesh his arms, whose heart departeth from the Lord. He shall be like a heath in the desert. And shall not see when good cometh. That's sad. Goods come, but you don't see it. But shall inhabit the parched places in the wilderness and a salt land and not inhabited. Blessed is the man that trusteth in the Lord, whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be as a tree planted by the waters that spreadeth out her roots by the river and shall not see when heat cometh, but her leaves shall be green and shall not be careful or anxious in the year of drought where there is no rain, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. So he's talking about this tree that's planted by the waters. And I'm going to tell you, a tree in the Bible is, is painted as something that's very strong and something that's very mighty. Now I'm going to tell you, our Lord in the Song of Solomon is portrayed as an apple tree in Song of Solomon chapter 2. And that apple tree was a place of rest and refreshment for the bride. And the bride said, I sat under my apple tree, which is a picture of the Lord Jesus with great delight. And his fruit was sweet to my taste. This strong, mighty apple tree supplied the needs of the bride. And I'll tell you, our apple tree, the Lord Jesus, is still doing that today. He's still the one that's got the apples that I need and that you need. And he's still in the business of us being able to sit under him, our apple tree, with great delight. And his fruit being sweet to our taste. And having the very nourishment that we need. And his banner over us, his flag over us, his standard over us is love. Because we're blessed to sit under that apple tree because he loves us so much. You know, Jesus in the New Testament, there's a curious scene where the Lord Jesus comes up to a fig tree. And there's leaves on the fig tree, but there's no fruit there on it. And Jesus, and the Bible says it was not the time of figs yet. But Jesus curses that tree and says, let no fruit bear thereon. They come back a little later and that tree's dead. Question, why would the Lord not like it that a fig tree is not bearing fruit when it wasn't time for the tree to bear fruit? And I believe the verses we've read answer that question. 
You see, we're a tree that the Lord has blessed to be planted by the rivers of water. When he describes his church, and we're running out of time, but when he describes his church, he said, there's a river there that makes glad the city of God. There's a river. We've been blessed as the people of God to be planted by the river. So it doesn't matter how dry this world gets. Because we're planted by the river, we still bear fruit that honors him and glorifies him. And that's a blessing to the people of God. There's never a time that we shouldn't be bearing fruit. Because no matter how dry the world gets, no matter how desert it gets, no matter how little rain there is, Lord's blessed us with roots that are spread by the river. He's planted us as trees of righteousness in his house, as another verse would say. It said, his leaves shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. You know, the Lord, who I think is vividly painted throughout this song, he is the tree that never didn't prosper. Everything the Lord did prospered. Everything he did. You know, the Lord was so driven to do the will of God and to do everything that God the Father wanted him to do that there's a vivid scene in John chapter 4. It's after the Lord Jesus has been speaking with the Samaritan woman. And he has clearly revealed himself unto her. This Gentile woman, this Samaritan woman, this woman that had lived a rough life, but the Lord loved her. And he clearly revealed himself to her. And about the time he does that, the disciples had gone into town to get some food and they come back. They were surprised he talked with the woman, but nobody asked him any questions. And then they offered the Lord some food. They knew physically he had to be hungry. And he said, I've got meat that you know not of. And they're like, Did somebody bring him lunch and we didn't know it? He said, no, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me. And to finish his work. Certainly the greatest work the Lord had that he came and did was suffering and dying on the cross of Calvary that our sins would be washed away in his own precious blood. That was his greatest work, his greatest victory. But I'm going to tell you, he had a lot of work to do. This is in the context of him having the work to come meet this woman that he had loved before the foundation of the world. And to reveal the sweet news, the good news of the gospel to her. And to clearly reveal, I am the Messiah that would come. But the work the Lord did, Jesus did, was a daily work. He was doing wonderful things every day. Healing the blind. Raising the dead. Cleansing the lepers. Casting out devils preaching the gospel to the poor. He was making a wonderful difference by the will of God every single day that he lived. He's our example. We're to bear fruit every day to God's glory. We're to do good things to glorify the Lord every day. Maybe a smile to someone that needs a smile. Maybe a comforting word to someone that needs a comforting word. It may be just listening to somebody for a little while. Maybe reaching out to somebody that's sick, somebody that's shut in. Kind word, kind deed. Showing the love of the Lord Jesus. This river is a sweet picture of the Holy Ghost. But the Lord's told us 
we're blessed to take a little river with us wherever we go. On Jesus in John 7, on that last day, that great day of the feast, he said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me. He said, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. By this spake he of the spirit, which should afterward be given. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. What's he saying here? He's saying, I'm, I'm the river. I'm the source of the water. You come unto me and drink in my Father's house, in the house of worship. There's a river there that makes glad the city of God. But because we've been blessed with those things, he said also out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. You know what we get in the house of God and what we get through the blessing of our Lord Jesus Christ can be a blessing to others. You see, we give some of the things that have been given to us. Love and joy and peace. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Do those not make such a difference with everyone we come in contact with? Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and just, they seem to emanate the love and the joy and the peace of the Lord so much that as you're in conversation, you feel the Holy Spirit again. What a blessing. What a blessing the things we have in the house of God. He said, the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. The chaff is something that can blow any old way, but remember the trees are planted. They don't blow away. But the ungodly are not so, they are like the chaff which the wind bloweth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of, their un- way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. What a blessed Lord we serve. May God bless me to stay by those rivers of waters. May God bless me to delight in the Lord, to delight in his word, all the days of my life to be a blessing and to my brethren and sisters in Christ and maybe somebody like a Samaritan woman that may need some truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. May God richly bless you is my prayer.